Today, I begin with a spiritual truth. He offers you His presence. He offers you His Word. He is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of God. In the time of Noah, it was build the Ark, board the Ark, hang on to the Ark, because it's going to rain. And I want you to notice that it was the Ark and that it was the covenant. There were two. And through those two, he created a way of escaping the judgment in the days of Noah. The Ark of God. In the time of Moses, it was different. It was build the Ark, cover it with pure gold, believe and follow the contents of the Ark, the Word, the covenant inside the ark. It's called faith. And it was the way to be saved. Hang on to the ark of the covenant, to Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness trying to get to the promised land. Hang on to the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant was their salvation. Whatever you do, don't miss the boat. Whatever you do, don't miss the ark. That's where we left off last week in part number one of this three-part series. The ark and the covenant. That was Noah. Noah built that ark by God's design. The ark of the covenant. That was Moses and Israel. Moses built that ark and covered it with pure gold and by God's design. But the ark and what was inside of the ark of Moses' days was very different than the ark of the time of Noah. And I want you to look at this picture. Um, it is a rendition of the description in the Old Testament of the design of the ark. But when you look at this, I want you to understand a single thought. This was the throne of God. He is enthroned between the cherubim. The cherubim are the angelic wings on both sides. This is the throne of God. So I want you, when you look at this, it is the throne of God, which is the presence of God. And inside the ark is the covenant, the ark of the covenant. Inside of it is the covenant. It is the word of God. It is the law, God's law. He's the lawgiver. God had made a way. Why, why the ark? Why the covenant? God had made a way for the people of Israel to dwell in His holy presence without dying because of sin. That way was the ark of the covenant. The ark was the throne of God, His presence. The covenant was His holy word, His law. God gave Moses and the children of Israel the ark of the covenant before, listen, before they started what should have been an 11-day journey to the promised land that took 40 years. What went wrong? They had the Ark of the Covenant. They had the very presence of God. They had the very Word of God. They had the presence. They had the Word. What went wrong? Last week, I asked the church this question. I asked the church again today. What should we be learning about the Ark of the Covenant event today in the church age in what the Bible calls the last days? 
What should we be learning? Today, let me ask you a second question. Do you have a copy of the covenant promises of God? The Old Testament is the Old Covenant. The New Testament is the New Covenant. Do you think this is a small thing? Do you think this is a small thing that we have possession of in our own language today? As you read the story of how necessary the Ark of the Covenant was for them to survive the wilderness and make it into the Promised Land, it was not a small thing. Nothing about it was small. And yet today, the church has the new covenant, and many inside the church look at it as as a small thing. I'll get to that when I get some extra time, maybe. Reading it is not called faith. Jesus is the new covenant. Jesus is the ark of our salvation. Jesus is the presence of God, Emmanuel. God with us. And Jesus is the Word of God. Can you see it? When in Revelation, when it describes the return of Christ, His name, His title is what? The Word of God. He is the ark of our salvation. He is the ark of the covenant. And we must get on board this ark of Christ. And we must hang on to the covenant promises of His Word because it's going to rain again. And I'm not talking about a literal rain like in the days of Noah, but Jesus says it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. God is going to bring a judgment upon the earth. Again, we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but it's going to rain again. Judgment of God's going to fall again. We must hang on to the ark of the covenant. It is God's way for man to survive the coming judgment. It is not a little thing. It is not a small thing. It is the difference between life and death. In Noah's day, there were eight survivors. That's sobering. I told you last week in Moses' wilderness journey, there were two adult men that survived. That's sobering. Two men out of 601,728 Today, under the new covenant, under the new covenant today, does everyone go to heaven? Does everyone make it to the promised land? Does the blood of Jesus cover everyone? If you go to the average church and hear the average message, you would get the average result that everyone goes to heaven. But that's not what the covenant says at all. Everyone has been offered a place in this place called the promised land. But you must have the ark of the covenant to enter. You must enter the way that God opened the door through which to enter. I want to read today the beginning, and this will be the ending. It's in the new covenant. It's in the New Testament. It's Hebrews 4, verse 1, and it connects the Old Covenant and the New Covenant together to answer the question, will everyone make it to the Promised Land? And I've told you already that in the time of Noah, only eight survived. In the time of Moses, only two, Joshua and Caleb, adult men, over the age of 20, only two. 
Hebrews 4.1, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Everybody, let's say hallelujah. You know what that means? Today the door's open into the promised land. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. What's it? The promised land. Heaven. The presence of God. Verse 2. For this good news, that God has prepared this rest. It's good news. The gospel is good news. This good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us. That's the church age. The new covenant. Just as it was announced to them. That's Moses and the law and the old covenant. This good news was announced to us just like it was announced to them. This covenant. But it did them no good. Is anybody listening? But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Now for part two. They finally make it to the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. Now understand something. Joshua and Caleb are the two that voted to believe God. So as we pick up today, you need to understand that Joshua and Caleb are two of the 601,730 that got to cross the Jordan River into the promised land with what? The Ark of the Covenant. So let's begin today with that crossing because the Ark of the Covenant is central to their crossing the Jordan River and finding their place of rest in the promised land. Moses in this scene has died. Joshua is now the leader of Israel. He's one of the two that voted to believe God. Joshua 3 verse 1. Here we go. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the bank of the Jordan River where they had camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Do you understand? They had never crossed the Jordan. In these 40 years, they'd walked circles, stayed in camp, but they've never been on the other side of the Jordan. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. And then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priest, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. Forty years, 40 years, and 601,728 men later, they finally are going to enter the promised land. God's presence is among the people, and he is clearly communicating his word to the people. In this case, he's talking through Joshua, his servant. These are real people, 
and they're living a real world event. And the question is this, will they this time listen? Will they this time believe? Will they this time obey the word of God? Will they get on board with this ark that God has made? The way into the promised land. Will they hang on to the ark as they enter the inhabited promised land? There are people living there on the other side of the Jordan. The ark was the throne of God. It is His presence. The covenant is the Word of God. It is His law. It is the way that man can survive an encounter with God's presence. The ark of the covenant. Go down to verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. How would you like to replace Moses? Nobody wanted that job. Today I will make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites, and they will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever stood on a muddy river bank? It's slippery. Now, I've been to the Jordan River twice now, and it looks a whole lot like Salt River, where I have fallen many times into it. Take a few steps into the flood-staged Jordan River and stop. Does that sound like a good idea to you? And by the way, they're carrying, a, they're carrying this, and it's covered with gold, and gold is heavy. Verse 9. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Just let that sentence sink in for a moment. Come and listen to what God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. And there's a lot of ites in that country. Verse 11, look at the ark. Excuse me, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now, I've got to stop for a moment and ask you a question. If you've been coming to church here very long, I've told you time and time and time again, everything in the Old Testament is revealing Messiah. It's revealing what the Messiah, his identity, his purpose, what he's going to do in the church, what he's going to do in eternity. It's all revealing him. And I'm going to ask you, can you see a shadow here? Look, the Ark of the Covenant. And what did I tell you the Ark of the Covenant is in the church age? He will lead you, the Ark of the Covenant will lead you across the Jordan River. There is a power that will get you across the wilderness, across the Jordan which separates life and death and takes you into the promised land. Can you see the shadow? Verse 12. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel. One from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. And as soon as their feet, the priest, as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. It's a whole lot like, do you see the similarity when Moses came across the, the Red Sea? 
The water stood up on the right and the left. It'll stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. Then the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season. The Jordan was overflowing its banks. Now, do you think it's an interesting point that, that God waited until the Jordan River was flooded to cross it? He wants to display His glory. The Jordan was overflowing its banks, but as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Like Moses, they traveled across on dry ground. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. How long would it take for two million people to get across? That's a while. They finally entered the promised land. Some two million Israelites now on the west bank of the Jordan River. And everything's going to be okay now. Do you think the blessing is based purely upon geography? That once you get in that geographical location, you're on the west bank of the Jordan and everything's okay? What about all those ites? And what about the fortified city of Jericho just across the river? It's the same question that their fathers had to answer 40 years earlier. Do we believe all of this is God's idea? And will it be by His power that He makes it happen? We just need to believe Him. Understand this simple truth. The ark was the throne of God. The ark was His presence. He told Joshua that today I will reveal to you that I am with you and that I go in front of you. The ark is his presence. The covenant is his word. It is his law. And he never breaks his word. Can you see the church in this scene? All of this is God's idea. And it will be by his power that he makes it happen. We just need to believe him. Now, Paul's in the Old Testament story. Let's come to the church age. Let's come to the new covenant. What are the instructions of Jesus, the Ark of the Covenant, to the church in our time of waiting. It's called the Great Commission. Go into all the world and tell them the good news. Make disciples of every nation. Preach the gospel. Tell them the good news. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I, I am with you always. Even until the end of the age, I'm not sending you out without me. I am with you. I will go in front of you. Do you see the shadow? Do we have his presence today? Church, the people of Israel had his presence, the Ark of the Covenant, as they crossed over the Jordan. And it's covered with, it's populated with people who are going to be at war with them in just a few days. But God is with them. So today, do we have His presence? He's called the Holy Spirit. And do we have His Word? It's called the Bible. Do you believe it?
Reading it is not called faith. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant. He is our salvation. And I want you to know something. The Great Commission to go into all the world and spread this marvelous good news that you can experience the presence of God without dying. You can actually find a place in the promised land in eternity. All of that is not man's idea. It's God's idea. The Great Commission is not man's idea. It's God's. This cross in the Jordan River coming out of Egypt through the wilderness, finding a place in God's presence is God's idea. It's not Moses. It's not Joshua. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates and the powers of hell will not stop the church that believes in me. They've been trying to stop the church for 2,000 years, and I'll declare the church is still alive today. So, back to the story. They crossed over, and yes, Jericho's walls came tumbling down. They crossed over, and yes, the ites began to fall one by one. Everything's going to be okay now, right? Everything's okay. They've got the presence of God. They've got the Word of God. They're now geographically inside the promised land. So let's fast forward in the history of Israel. Let's fast forward some 300 years from the time of Joshua to the final judge or ruler. His name is Samuel. The Ark of the Covenant is still prominent in the time of Samuel. The same Ark of the Covenant that crossed over Jordan with Joshua, the same Ark of the Covenant that won the battles with all the ites, but this time it's not the ites. They've kind of been thinned out over time, over that 300 years. This time, it's with the dreaded Philistines. 300 years after Joshua crossing the Jordan, the Ark of the Covenant, Israel, and the Philistines. 1 Samuel 4.1. At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Israelite army was camped near Ebenezer, and the Philistines were at Aphek. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. Do you see the central point here? They are fighting, and this time the Philistines have won, killing 4,000 Israel soldiers. After the battle was over, the troops retreated, Israel troops retreated to their camp, and the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? And then they said, Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. Shiloh was their capital before they were in Jerusalem. So Shiloh, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant into our camp from Shiloh. If we carry it, the Ark, into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. Is this a good idea? Now, I'm going to tell you, most people would say, yeah, it's a good idea. But you would have to understand how they had been treating the ark, the throne, the presence, and the word. Verse 4, so they sent men to Shiloh to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord of heaven's armies who is enthroned, enthroned, there's the, the throne of God, who is enthroned between the cherubim. And Hophni and Phinehas, those are the two priests, they are the sons of Eli, were also there with the ark of the covenant of God when it arrives in the camp. When all the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into the camp, their shout of joy was so loud that it made the ground shake. 
now. How do you think they felt when they saw the ark come into the camp? Now we are unstoppable. Remember, they have just lost 4,000 soldiers in an earlier battle. But not, not, not now, not now. Now we are unstoppable. We've got the ark. We've got the presence of God. Listen carefully. The one enthroned between the cherubim that we had previously left behind us. You must get this point. That we have previously left behind us. Now we want to go in front of us. Well, the question is, why did you previously leave him behind you? But now we're in trouble. So now we're in trouble. We don't want you to be back there. We want you to be up here. Because we're in trouble now. We lost 4,000 soldiers in that last battle. We will now suddenly put you out in front of us. And I'm going to ask you, will that work? That'll work, right? I need to explain something before we do this next part. The Ark of the Covenant was famous. It was famous. Even outside of Israel, the Philistines knew about the awesome power of the Ark of the Covenant. They knew. Now back to the story. The ground is shaking as the Ark comes into Israel's camp. Verse 6. What's going on? The Philistines ask. What's all the shouting about in the Hebrew camp? When they were told it was because the ark of the Lord had arrived, they panicked. The gods have come into their camp, they cried. This is a disaster. We have never had to face anything like this before. Help! Who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel? They are the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with plagues when Israel was in the wilderness. You understand, that was more than 300 years in their history. And the Philistines know about the ark of God. They know about the plagues of Egypt. They know. And now they're in a panic. Verse 9. Fight as never before, Philistines. If you don't, we will become the Hebrew slaves just as they have been ours. Stand up like men and fight. So the Philistines fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. 30,000. Their survivors turned and fled to their tents, and the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God was captured. And Hophni and Phinehas, the two, uh, the two priests, they were killed. Now I'm going to ask you, how is this possible? How is it possible? Who could defeat the people who had the Ark of the Covenant in their possession? This is big. This is really big. You got to get this point. How is it possible that they lost and the Ark is there? The Ark of the Covenant represented the glorious presence of God among the people. And now, the glory has departed. The word in the Old Testament is Ichabod. Ichabod. You know what the word Ichabod means? The glory of God has departed. Ichabod. The glory of God, the Ark of the Covenant, is now in Philistine camp. Does that mean the Philistines will now be the children of God? Everybody listen. They've got the ark, right? 
Does that mean that the Philistines will now be the children of God, and they will live under his protection, and they will live under his power? Is that how this works? No. Let me answer the question this way. The presence of God without the covenant promise of God is a horrible and dreadful thing. This is the main point today, so everybody pay attention. They're going to find out that the presence of God, what is the Ark of the Covenant? It is the presence of God, the throne, and it is the covenant of God. They're about to find out that the presence of God without the covenant of God is a dreadful, dreadful thing. The Ark was the throne. It is His presence. But they didn't have the covenant. They didn't have the covenant, the promised words of God that were given to His covenant people. If you don't hear anything I say today, I want you to hear this next line. One day, maybe really soon, the same situation is going to happen around the whole earth. This is a shadow. When the people of the earth that have rejected the covenant promises of God will suddenly encounter the presence of God. And I want you to hear me. I've told you everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of an event that either reveals Messiah or something the Messiah is going to do. One day, maybe soon, the same thing that's going to happen. I'm going to read it to you in the Philistine camp. The same situation is going to happen all around the whole earth. When the people of the earth that have rejected the covenant promise of God, the new covenant, are going to encounter the presence of God. But they don't have the covenant when they experience the presence. It is a dreadful thing. I'm going to read to you the shadow so that you might understand the coming reality. To experience the presence of God without having received the covenant. And when I say covenant, let me make it clear. When I say covenant today, it is the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. Jesus calls it the new covenant of his blood. So let's go back to the Philistines. They have the ark. They don't have the covenant. 1 Samuel 5.1 after the Philistines captured the ark, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside the idol Dagon. Their idol, their God is Dagon. Now, when I was a kid growing up, my grandparents used to have this slang phrase they used all the time. They would say, daggone it, daggone it. It was a word. It was just common, daggone it. Now, did you know that that word, daggone it, comes from this Philistine god, Dagon? I made every bit of that up just to see if y'all were paying attention. No, it did not. I thought it'd be a good point to, y'all are looking at me funny right now, so... They have the ark. They don't have the covenant. What's going to happen? They take the ark, the presence of God, into their idolatrous tent of Dagon. Verse 3. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see, the next, see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground. 
in front of the ark of the Lord. What a coincidence. So they took Dagon and put him in place again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time his head and his hands are broken off and were lying in the doorway, in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. That is why... To this day, neither the priest of Dagon nor anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step on the threshold because that's where Dagon fell, was in the threshold. And then the Lord's heavy hand struck the people of Ashdod and the nearby villages with the plague of tumors. Tumors. Cancer. When the people realized what was happening, they cried out, We can't keep the ark of the God of Israel here any longer. He is against us. They have the presence, but they don't have the covenant. It is a dreadful event to experience the presence of God without the covenant promise of God. You're not the covenant people. We will all be destroyed. We will all be destroyed with Dagon, our God. He'll be destroyed. He's already been torn up. So they called together the rulers of the Philistine towns and asked, what should we do with the ark of God, the God of Israel? The rulers discussed it and replied, move it to the town of Gath. How would you like to live in Gath? Move it to Gath. Let it kill some people there. Give them tumors. Understand, Gath, you recognize that name? It's the town that the giant Goliath came from. Verse 9. But when the ark arrived in Gath, the Lord's heavy hand fell on its men, young and old. He struck them with the plague of tumors, and they in Gath, now they're in a great panic. So they sent the ark of God to the town of Ekron. But when the people of Ekron saw it coming, they cried out, they're bringing the ark of the God of Israel here to kill us too. The people summoned the Philistine rulers again and begged them, please send the ark of the God of Israel back to its own country or it will kill us all. They had experienced something that the whole earth is going to experience one day. To encounter the presence of God without the covenant of God is a dreadful event. For the deadly plague from God had already begun. And great fear was sweeping across the town. Those who didn't die were afflicted with tumors. And the cry from the town rose to heaven. In that scene, the presence of God without the covenant of God brought cancer. Tumors to the people of the earth. Their God, Dagon, couldn't help them. Even he was forced to bow down in front of the ark of Israel. Now, why would I choose to go through all of this today? Just a really good Jewish Old Testament history lesson today? What should the church be learning today about the Ark of the Covenant in this session two? What should you, what do you think the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us today? The Ark represents the throne of God. And the covenant is His holy word. These are very specific, very powerful, very convicting words. And here's what I hope the church will see. Today we have a copy of the New Covenant. The New Testament. 
And it reveals the same point that the Philistines found out the hard way. And I wonder how many of you know that the new covenant reveals the exact same thing is going to happen in the future that happened to them that they learned the hard way. The presence of God without the covenant of God is a dreadful, terrible thing. Having a steeple on your roof or having the word church on your building doesn't mean you have the covenant in your life. This covenant is a blood covenant. It is the blood of Christ. He is a person. The new blood covenant of Jesus. The presence of God without the covenant of God is a dreadful thing. So I'm going to read to you, church, I'm going to read to you the new covenant. It's in Hebrews. It's in the New Testament, which is the new covenant of God. The new covenant makes a way for us to escape the judgment of God and find rest in the promised land. But you must do it His way. Here's the new covenant, Hebrews 10, 26. And by the way, what I'm about to read in the new covenant connects to the old covenant. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice. And we're talking about the new covenant sacrifice of blood. This is New Testament. If we continue to sin after we've received the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. And let me, let me pause. What's the new covenant say about sin? If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins, and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But repentance is in the new covenant. Repentance is in there. So if you reject the idea of the new covenant idea of confession and repentance when you sin, there's no longer any sacrifice that will cover your sins. Listen carefully. You have rejected the way of God defined by the covenant of God. What? Repent, turn, face God. He'll forgive you, cleanse you. That's the blood of Christ. It's the new covenant. Verse 27, if you reject that, if you reject the new covenant, there is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment. Remember the Philistines? There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire, that's hell itself, that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses. Now we're going to connect the new covenant and the old covenant. The new testament and the old testament. We're going to connect the church to Israel. He says this. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses. That's the old covenant. Was put to death without mercy. Without mercy. On the testimony of two or three witnesses. Read the Old Testament. It was the law. It's how the people were enabled to live in the presence of God and not die. They executed people. Two or three witnesses, you're executed. Listen, are you listening? Just think how much worse. Now we're in the church age. How much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God. The new covenant. 
and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common, as if it were unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit that brings God's mercy to us. How much worse it's going to be. He says it's going to be Last week I told you, and we were getting ready to wrap up, that the new, Hebrews, the same Hebrew writer, says that the new covenant is so much better than the old covenant. The promises are so much bigger, so much better. The promises of the new covenant of the blood of Christ. So much mercy and grace. But now the same Hebrew writer says, but if you reject that new covenant, the punishment will be worse worse. Verse 9, for we know the one who said, I will take revenge. Who is he? Who is he? He's God. I will take revenge. I will pay them back. Who is he? He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. He did it to Israel. He will do it to the church, the church that plays a church game. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The presence of God without the blood covenant of God is a dreadful and terrible thing. That's the new covenant testimony. The presence of God, which has been offered freely to all the world. The presence of God without the covenant blood of Christ is a terrible thing. Now back to the Philistines and their cancerous tumors. What are they going to do? 1 Samuel 6, 1. The ark of the Lord remained in the Philistine territory seven months at all. And then the Philistines called in their priests and diviners and asked them, what should we do about the ark of the Lord? Tell us how to return it to its own country. Let's get that thing out of here. The Philistines built a new cart and they hitched two cows to the cart that had never been hitched to a cart before. And they placed the Ark of the Covenant on the cart. And the cows took off toward Israel territory. And when the Ark of the Covenant cart, when the Ark of the Covenant cow unattended, by the way, they didn't send any people with it, just cows. When it arrived unattended back in Israel territory, the people of Israel, what do you think they're going to do? They shout, they celebrate. The glory of the Lord has returned. No more Ichabod, right? Wow, this is awesome. At no sooner than the celebration had begun that their joy was turned to sorrow and great fear. Why? Go to verse 19. But the Lord killed 70 men. The Lord killed 70 men from Beth Shemesh because they looked into the ark of the Lord. And the people mourned greatly because of what the Lord had done. And they asked a question. Listen carefully. Who is able to stand in the presence of the Lord, the Holy God? They cried out. Where can we send the ark from here? Even now, Israel wants to get rid of it. Seventy have died in Israel because they looked in it. Where can we send it? So they sent messengers to the people of Kiriath-Jerim and told them, the Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. You come here and get it. 
So I ask you a question today. Church, who can stand in the presence of holy God? Who? The Philistines couldn't. They weren't under the covenant. The presence of God without the covenant is disastrous. And now the Israelites who were under the covenant, and now they're dying. Why? Because they looked upon that which they had been commanded not to look at. The covenant matters. The words of the covenant matter. Every word matters. Who is able to look upon God and live? Who is able to experience His holy presence and live? And that brings me back to the very purpose of the ark of the covenant, the ark of our salvation. God had made a way. Understand, this entire story is God had made a way for His presence to dwell among the people by making a covenant with them. The ark was the throne of God. His presence, the covenant, was the law of God that would allow the God to live among His people. The terms of the covenant were there to save them and protect them from sudden death, like those 70 men experienced when they looked into the ark. God told Moses that the Ark of the Covenant must be kept behind the veil. It's the covenant. The Word of God matters. All of it. God had told Moses that the, the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, must be kept in the tabernacle behind the veil, out of sight from the people. Only the priest could enter the most holy place of God's presence and look upon the Ark of the Covenant. And that priest could only enter once per year, and then he had to come in with blood. What do you think that's a picture of? If the Old Testament is a shadow, what is the shadow? What is the reality? Once a year, but he had to have blood. Without blood, he would die. The ark represented the glorious presence of God and the throne of God on the earth. The covenant reveals a way for mankind to live in that presence of God's holiness without being destroyed by His holiness. But listen, church, you must do it His way. You must do it His way. His way is the covenant. So I'm going to back up. In Exodus 26, God is telling Moses what? He's telling Moses the covenant. Exodus 26, 30. Set up this tabernacle according to the pattern you were shown on the mountain. For the inside of the tabernacle, make a special curtain of finely woven linen. I want you to listen to the details as I ask you, do you think the details... Do you think the details of the covenant matter? For the inside of the tabernacle, make a special curtain of finely woven linen, decorated with blue, purple, scarlet thread, and with skillfully embroidered cherubim. Hang this curtain on gold hooks attached to four posts of acacia wood. Overlay the posts with gold and set them in four silver bases. Hang the inner curtain from clasps and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Do you think the details of this covenant are insignificant? All those little details, all those, do you think they're insignificant? Now here comes the question for today. Do you think the details of this covenant are insignificant? And for the most part, the modern American church answers yes. It doesn't matter. But it does matter. 
Maybe you're in the room today and you say, well, I really like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but I don't like Hebrews and I don't like Revelation especially. Do you think the details of this covenant matter? All of them. The curtain or the veil was not there to keep you from experiencing God. No. The curtain was there to keep you from dying while you experienced God. Big difference by keeping the covenant. God's covenant made a way for a man. Listen carefully. God's covenant made a way for a man, a holy and sanctified priest, to enter the most holy place on the day of atonement. It's called Yom Kippur. And make an atoning sacrifice for all the people so they might have another year to experience God's presence. That's the covenant. What I'm about to read to you is from the new covenant. What I'm about to read to you is from the blood covenant, the New Testament in the book of Hebrews again. Hebrews 9 verse 5. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. The Ark of the Covenant is behind a curtain. A man, a single person, one could enter once per year, but only could he enter with blood. What do you think it means? Why blood? The Bible clearly says in the old covenant that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And sin would not be allowed in the presence of God behind the curtain. Why is all of that recorded in the New Testament? Why is it in the new covenant? Because of this. Are you ready? It is the grand finale of session number two. Why does the new covenant, New Testament, say what I just read about Yom Kippur once a year with blood behind the curtain? Mark 15, 37, Jesus is on the cross. Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last breath. And the curtain of the sanctuary, curtain in the sanctuary of the temple. Now they're not in a tent. It's a permanent temple in Jerusalem. The curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, how Jesus had died, this he said, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. Here's the question. Did you notice who announced the Son of God in this scene? A Gentile. The church of Jesus Christ was being born. The church of the new covenant was being born. And a Gentile's mouth spoke. This man is the Son of God. He is the ark of the covenant. Do you see it? 
The Ark of the Covenant was opening up to Gentiles. The veil that separates the holiness of God from all people, Jews and Gentiles, had been torn down by the Son of God on the cross. The veil was torn. You couldn't enter. Nobody was worthy to enter. But now it's been torn. A blood covenant. A new covenant was made with man that day. The ark. It represents the throne of God. The very presence of God. That throne. Listen carefully. That throne. The presence of God. Now belongs exclusively to Jesus Christ. Jesus made this announcement. All power, dominion, and authority has been given to me by the Father. It's His. He is the throne of God. All of it belongs to Him. All of it was given to Him by the Father. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go tell everybody this wonderful good news, that there's a blood covenant available, a new covenant of blood that will make you at peace with God. And you can enter the presence of God, and you won't die. You'll live forever. That throne now belongs to Jesus. But what about the covenant? The covenant is the Word of God that reveals a way for sinful man to approach God. And yes, you will have to have blood. It won't be the blood of a goat. It won't be a blood of a bull or a heifer. It is the blood of the spotless Lamb of God. His name is Jesus. He is the way to make peace with God and find forgiveness of sins. And the covenant is the Word of God. The Word is Jesus. He today is the ark of our salvation. He is the ark of the covenant. The Philistines and the ark, listen carefully. Here's the last points. The Philistines and the ark represent what happens and what will happen. What will happen to those who encounter the holiness of God without the blood covenant. It's a dreadful thing. But what about the 70 Israelites? Church, listen carefully. The 70 Israelites that were killed by looking at the ark when it arrived back in the land represent those who have been given access to the covenant but never took it serious enough to obey it. It's called faith. Church, you have been given access to the covenant. You know about the old and the new. But many, even sitting in this room right now, never took it serious enough to obey it, to walk by faith. Many in the church will say out loud with their voice, I love God. I love Jesus. But you do not fear Him. Be honest. You don't fear Him. And you don't fear God. Why? Because you have this idea that everybody makes it to the promised land. And quite frankly, you made that up. On that fateful day, when Jesus said, it is finished, and the veil of the Jerusalem temple that kept the Ark of the Covenant out of sight of sinful men, it was torn down. And a Gentile stood up and proclaimed this truth. This man is the Son of God. A Gentile. And that's it. Listen, don't make it complicated. That's it. The purpose of the Ark of the Covenant, the new covenant, is to reveal the Son of God who came to save us from a horrible wrath and judgment of God, just like happened in the days of Noah. 
This is the scripture, the covenant word of God that I opened up with today, and it'll also be our closing. Hebrews 4 verse 1. This is the new covenant. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Come on, let's say hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's say it again. Hallelujah. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. As of today, this moment, that door's open. So we ought to tremble with fear. But some of you might fail to experience it. Are there people in this room who will fail to experience God's rest? And why, why would you fail to experience it? Why did they fail to experience it in the Old Testament? It's in the same text. For this good news, that, that the door's still open. This good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us, church age, just as it was announced to them, Moses, in the Old Testament. But it did them no good. Why? The same reason it won't do any good having a Bible in your house in the church age. Reading it is not called faith. It did them no good. Why? Because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. I got one more session in this Ark of the Covenant next week. I tell you, don't miss the next session. It kind of begins when King David tries to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. I'm going to ask Chad to come out for the invitation. There's a part in this story when I was studying and writing, there's a part in the story that forever influenced my mind and my soul is this. When the Philistines came to the knowledge that having the presence of God without being the covenant people of God was a really bad idea. And I'm going to tell you, church, listen carefully. That is a shadow of an event that is coming to this earth. It'll cover the globe. When a group of people who have rejected the new covenant, when many of the people of the earth, even people who have attended churches, they have rejected the new covenant, rejected the blood of Christ, never took serious the terms of the covenant agreement of God. And yet now they suddenly encounter the presence of God. Now I have to tell you what's going to happen. In that moment, he has offered life, you rejected life. He offered you the Ark of the Covenant, His only begotten Son, you rejected. And you will receive eternal death. And eternal death is darkness. It is the absence of God's presence. It is a place called hell. And in that place there is weeping and gnashing for eternity. You will never escape. And as of right now, today, the door is open. It's open. But it's only open to those who believe it, because why would you walk through a door you didn't believe in? Why would you walk and approach a man you do not believe is real? So we're going to sing a song. It's an invitation time, and I don't, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart, what He's revealed to you today, but I am required by the Spirit to tell you the truth. Without Him... The grave will take hold of you and you will never, ever recover. You are lost. You are lost forever. And God did not send you to hell. You sent you to hell. Because the door is open. 
If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Today, in this invitation time, some of you need to come to the altar and you need to repent because that's what the new covenant says makes peace with God and restores your relationship. And you've got sin in your life that's unrepentant. And why would you go out the door today? Disobeying the terms of the covenant that would set you free. Some of you need to come today and you need to receive Christ and be baptized. You need to come today and you need to be born again of the water and the spirit. You've never done it. The invitation time's over. Let's stand together. Let's stand.